Well, God bless you guys. Good morning. You look good. Thanks for hanging out. Um, you know, you had the option, as I saw some taking earlier, of um, watching your grandkids, nieces, and nephew, and then just sneaking out before this part. So I appreciate you hanging around and sticking it out and seeing where things go. So uh, if you are joining us and you haven't been a part of what we've been doing, we're in the middle of a series called The Thrill of Hope. Actually, we're a little more than the middle because next, uh, uh, well, Saturday actually, we'll be finishing up this series at our Christmas Eve service, which I really, 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 really want to encourage you to make sure that you are just inviting a ton of people. You know, they, uh, when polled, 85% of people said, that the reason they didn't go to church was because no one ever asked them to go. And so that means the, uh, uh, the onus is on us to just reach out. And the worst that can happen is they can just say, oh, no, thank you. And then you smile and go, okay, maybe next year. And that's it. So invite, 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 and let's have a full house. And it's going to be a really special evening, a evening of hope. And uh, so we've been talking about hope. And that is something that maybe it feels like we should be talking about this time of year, and it feels like maybe it's also a topic that's hard to really connect with when you personally aren't experiencing that. Do you remember being single? Yeah, yeah, I do too. I think everybody (laughs) remembers being single. Kind of a rough time in most of our lives. And then you'd see one of your friends who was sort of a partner in misery, who was also single, and who um, uh, uh, suffered along with you, and you could be single together. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like out of the blue, they found love. And it was painful to watch them experience love, be in love, do things that people in love do, talk about love, act like they're in love, say love, think love, do all the love stuff, and you be on the outside of that. It was rough to watch. The only time you really enjoy the concept of being in love is when you personally, yourselves, are in love. And I think the same is true of hope. Hope's rough. Hope seems like, just like being in love, that it's within arm's reach or just outside of arm's reach. I like the way this passage says it in Romans 12, 12. It sounds like it's an encouragement, but you really do understand after you listen to it, it means I hope hope is coming. My only hope is that hope is on its way. Romans 12, 12 says it like this, like this. Do not forget to rejoice, for hope is always just around the corner. Hold up through the hard times that are coming and devote yourselves to prayer. Hold up through the hard times that are coming, but hope is just around the corner. I don't know about you, but it feels like sometimes that we run out of hope, that hope gets crushed, that hope gets frustrated, that life gets lifey. You know what that is, right? Like life just being lifey. Like maybe you're not a target of anything special. Maybe life's not any harder on you than it is on anyone else, but you're just experiencing life when it gets all lifey on you. And you're experiencing the reality of how life works. 
and you start wondering if things are going to ever get better, if you can ever start hoping for something different, if you can ever start anticipating something better. Grab your notes if you don't already have them out. When my life gets all lifey, my hope tends to, number one, get delayed. Get delayed. There's a famous passage. You'll actually hear people who have no familiarity with the Bible say this. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when dreams come true at last, there's life and joy. Most of the time, they only quote the first part. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Can I tell you what that means? Hope deferred just means hope delayed. It means that what you hoped for, the thing that you were anticipating, it didn't happen. Or at least it didn't happen when it needed to happen. We hope for money to come in to pay a bill and it doesn't happen. We hope for a relationship to work out by this time and it just doesn't happen. We hope for someone to get a better diagnosis and it doesn't happen. Hope that never gets fulfilled crushes our spirit. So when life gets all lifey, hope gets pushed off. And then secondly, when my life gets all lifey, hope gets depleted. I mean, you can only go through that so many times. Psalm 19, or Psalm 918 says this, It may seem like those who are poor and needy have been forgotten, but God will not forget them. He will not leave them without hope. Now, normally you and I might not see ourselves as the poor, as the needy, but have you ever felt like one thing after the other, it just got worse and worse? Have you ever heard the expression, when it rains, it pours? You know that expression because you've, you've lived that expression. You, you know what I mean, right? Like something goes wrong and then something else goes wrong right after it and it just keeps getting worse. Like you have a blowout. And, and you take it in to get the tire repaired, and they say, well, I mean, we can just put the one tire on, but honestly, there's your other three tires. Did it just get really loud? Okay. Can we adjust me? Um, your other three tires, why am I so loud? <laughs> your other three tires just pull me way back. Pull me way back. There we go. Your other three tires are going kind of bald and it wouldn't really be safe to put one good tire on and then the other. And you go, I, okay. And they go, listen, honestly, it's a safety thing. We'll do whatever you want, but it wouldn't be a good idea. You're going to blow out another one. Okay. So now you're $1,000 in and then they say, ah, do you mind stepping into the shop here for a second? We want to point out something to you. You see your brake caliper on the front here? It's absolutely coated in engine oil. It's not even safe to drive. It's eroded the brake lines. It's, it looks like your motor oil's been leaking for some time now. And what we can see is that you've got a head gasket that's leaking. So you're going to need to repair that or else it's just going to keep leaking all over your brakes and make it really dangerous to drive. And you go, oh gosh, how much is that? And they go, oh, it's you know, $800 to do that. And so it just keeps getting worse and worse. And then you pay your $1,800 bill and you think, well, finally that's over. I'll just start paying that off now and you pull out into traffic and a teenager without insurance hits you right wimp in there <laughs> when it rains it pours and you feel like not only are you out of money you're out of hope you just think really can life get any worse 
And then third, when life gets all lifey, hope gets defeated. This passage that David writes in Psalm 13, 1 through 2 is something I think we can all maybe honestly identify with. Maybe we wouldn't say it out loud when someone asks, how are you doing? But David says, long enough, God. You've ignored me long enough. I mean, I've looked at the back of your head long enough. Long enough, I've carried this ton of trouble and I've lived with a stomach full of pain. Long enough, my arrogant enemies have looked down at their noses at me. David just goes, honestly, everything's going, long enough, God, have I put up with all this stuff. I can't take it anymore. And what I can't take most is that you're doing nothing about it. My enemies are winning. The circumstances are winning. I'm getting crushed and you're ignoring me. I've had enough of it. I don't know if you've been there. I've been there. I can talk about it now, but man, there was a couple years after I had been in that long enough place, that completely defeated place, I couldn't talk about it without getting emotional and I'd start getting choked up and I would get angry how emotional I got at it because I could tell it still affected me to be in that defeated place. If you haven't been there, I'm I'm imagining at some point in life you will be there. Not, not because I want that for you, mind you, but because I just know how lifey life gets. I just know that at some point we all have a breaking point. And I have to tell you, you are not meant to go through life without hope being depleted and defeated, demoralized and discouraged. Hope is not meant to be something that always stays just beyond your reach. So I want to see you living in the hope that's alive and thriving. I'm not telling you that it's always going to be as easy as it is other times because hope's going to be something that maybe seems further off than it was before or harder to access than it was before. But I want to tell you, you're never meant to be without it. So if I want to keep my hope living and thriving, I need to do this. Number one, I need to fake it when I'm not feeling it. I need to fake it when I'm not feeling it. And you go, ah, that reminds me of that old saying, fake it till you make it. And did you realize that that's a real phrase coined by a sociologist named Robert Merton? And he made that phrase to describe this. Here were his words. That a prediction about the outcome of a situation, the prediction about the outcome of a situation, can invoke a new behavior that leads to the prediction coming true. He said that just by imagining and seeing the outcome the way you want to see the outcome can actually change your behavior to make the outcome come true. Fake it till you make it. There's something in psychology called the Hebbian principle or Hebb's law. And here's what Hebb's law is. What fires together, wires together. What fires together, wires together. And here's what that means that if you do something in association with something else and you repeat that behavior, that will create a new neuropath in your mind. It's called conditioning and 
You probably have heard of Pavlov's law and uh, uh, Pavlov's dogs in which he would um, feed them and then he would ring a bell. And he would feed them and then he would ring a bell and he would feed them and he would ring a bell and he would feed them and he would ring a bell. And then he started ringing the bell first and they had uh, devices hooked up to the dogs and the dogs would begin salivating knowing they were going to be fed. So if you can take a behavior, a mindset, you can attach those two things together, you can actually change the way your mind thinks of things. So um, the best way to do it and the best example of it would be visualization. And, 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 and don't, don't get all clinchy on me right now and think I'm going all new agey and I'm getting ready to do a um, Howard Johnson's uh, a lobby um, uh, 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 self-improvement seminar for you, right? You paid $49.95 and you can buy my book on the way out. Um, visualization, I'm going to share with you in just a minute, is, is a really, really powerful biblical principle, okay? But visualization is seeing something in spite of the circumstances evidencing the other way. It's seeing a different outcome, a better outcome, the right outcome, when the circumstances you're in don't establish that to be true. You might be in very difficult circumstances, but say, oh man, I'm excited about the difference between now and then, and I see the outcome of this already. And you begin to think that in association. You begin to associate that thought. You can actually begin to rewire your mind to think, hopefully. Listen to what it says in Philippians 4.8, just in case you think I'm making up the visualization thing and uh, that not being a biblical principle. Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Philippians 4.8. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. Finally, brothers and sisters... Finally, brothers and sisters, fill your minds with beauty and truth. Meditate on whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is virtuous and praiseworthy. It says, think on these things. Actually, it translates to the word meditate, fix your mind, think over and over and over and over and over on these kind of things. Think over and over and over on these kind of things. Despite your circumstances, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're experiencing, think on these things. It's the very core of practicing hope in our lives. Listen to what it says in Psalm 42, 11. This is David deciding to act differently than his feelings. Why am I so overwrought? Why am I so overwhelmed? Why am I so disturbed? Why can't I just put my hope in God? Despite all my emotions, so he asks himself these questions and then he makes a decision, a declaration about his future behavior. Despite all my emotions, I will believe and praise the one who saves me, my God. David says, listen, I, my, my circumstances are terrible. I just, I need to wrap my mind around this, that God can do great. Why can't I just trust him? Why can't I put my hope in him? You know what? Right now, despite everything I feel, I'm just going to start practicing hope. I'm going to start practicing faith. I'm going to start practicing trust despite my circumstances. You and I have to believe that hope is more real than the things that we feel. Lisa had something happen yesterday and she called me and um, 
she said, I'm so, I'm so mad right now. I can't even, I don't even know what to do. I don't want to respond because I'm so mad right now. It feels very real in the moment, but do you realize without almost any intentionality whatsoever, just later on that day, there were enough things that came along and were distractions and busyness that she wasn't feeling that anymore. All to say this, that emotions come like waves, but hope is an eternal principle. Faith, hope, and love shall endure. Number two is this, I want to keep my hope living and thriving. I need to find it where it's already thriving. I need to find it where it's already thriving. So my brother-in-law, Lisa's brother, texted me and they, they make an annual trip down to Oxnard uh, to see my sister-in-law's family. And he said, uh, hey, you, you let me borrow this um, luggage bag for the top of the car. Uh, do you still have that? And I said, yeah. Um, I, I'm gonna, honestly, though, I'm going to have to go through the garage. I haven't used it in a long... You're, you were probably the last to use it, so... I need to go through the garage through all my totes and my organizers and my tubs and and just see where it's at. And I got to tell you, the search for it was both frustrating and rewarding. It was frustrating because it wasn't in the places that I logically believed it would be. I set out to find it, and each time I looked in the place that I thought, I absolutely know it. I know where it's at now. It wasn't there. Now I know where it's at. And then I got to that place and it wasn't there either. And then I got to the next place that I thought, and then I started feeling that frustration of not being able to find what I was looking for where I insisted that it would be. But here's why it was rewarding is because I found other things that were valuable (laughs) that I had been missing. Like, holy crap, that's where that's been the whole time? And I want to start pulling everything out and just bringing it in the house and being like, look what I found, a tire pump. I mean, we don't need it now, but if we ever need it, now I know it's in one of the tubs that I'll have to go through again when I'm looking for it again. Here, here's the point I'm making is that valuable things are kept together. Like, I went looking for one valuable thing that I needed, but I found other valuable things that I also know have value and that I need in some capacity. If you want to find hope when you don't have hope, you don't always have to go looking for hope. You just go where other valuable things are and you're going to find hope there. How do I know that to be true? Because 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says this. Now remember, this is the love chapter, the one we read at weddings that has nothing to do with romance. Love patiently accepts all things. And it always trusts, and it always hopes, and it always endures. Leave that up for for just a second. This is giving the attributes of love. Here's what love does. Here's how love behaves. Love always does these three things. It's always trusting, it's always hoping, and it always endures. It lasts forever. So if you want to find hope, and you're having a difficult time generating, summoning, stirring up hope in your life, can I tell you, you can go to a thing that you already know where it's at. Love. And I mean real love, too. Not not some of the ways that we practice love, which can be self-centered and 
selfish and, 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 and manipulative. I'm talking about real love, that love always generates these things. It has the power to stir up what doesn't already exist. So you go searching in your tubs for hope and you can't find hope. When you go searching for a valuable thing, it's going to be paired up and hanging out with other valuable things. And can I tell you the opposite is true. If you want hope, you need to stay off of the news and stay off of social media and stay away from negative friends and stay away from the places that feed hopelessness in your life. Garbage in, garbage out. And I know that's an addiction for some people. I know people thrive off of negativity. It makes you feel like you're not in control of your future, but I want you to hear this, that you can literally change your future by changing the way you think, by changing the people you spend time with, by changing what you read, by changing what you listen to, by changing what you hear, by changing what you say. By changing what you pray, hope hangs out with other good things and hopelessness hangs out with other terrible, toxic things. And then third and finally is this. Right after I get a drink. (laughs) I want to keep my hope living and thriving. I need to three, focus it unworthy things. Focus it on worthy things. So we spend a lot. We spend every day. Um, the natural assumption is that I might be talking about money, and it's true, we spend money. Um, we do spend money. But um, I'm, a, I'm a wearer of traditional watches. I've owned two Apple Watches for very, very short periods of time. The first one I got, I put it on, I wore it for a day, and the haptics were like all day long. I walked into Caleb's room when Caleb was still a teenager and living at home, and uh, I took it off and I threw it on his bed and I said, hey, you want an Apple Watch? And he was like, yes, that's awesome. And uh, so I got rid of it, and then a couple years later, you know, I was... I'd uh, lost some weight and wanted to get fit, and um, I thought, you know what, I'm going to track my health on this, this Apple Watch, so I bought whatever was the newest edition of Apple Watch, and then um, I, I remembered why I hated it, so I took it back off again, and um, uh, I don't know why I didn't return it, but I thought, well, I can't afford to just keep giving these to my kids, so I uh, sold it on Facebook Marketplace, and um, I now, I, I, I have a lot of watches, and they're just regular it's all they do is tell time did you know there's still devices that do that i believe you can still get a hold of phones that all they do is make calls too and so this is um this is one of my watches and this tells me not how much i have left this device tells me how much i've spent so every second that i watch the second hand move and every minute that clicks is what I've spent, and I have to ask this question, am I spending this, which is more valuable, by the way, than money? I can get more money. I don't get any more of this. Like what has been spent can't be replaced. It can't be replenished. And so this is the most valuable thing I have. 
And I have to ask myself, am I spending this the way I really believe that I, on worthy things, on worthy um, purposes and worthy goals and, and, and worthy people? Uh, I, I found that there are people who will burn up their, 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 their spiritual gift is wasting your time. Right? They just, you realize you're never going to get anywhere with them and they're not there to learn or grow or have relationship. They're there to drain and pull and, and I just have had to learn to not engage in those relationships. And hope is something that is a an asset that can be spent, and I will be honest with you, we have lost so much of our hope because of where we've spent it. Listen, no matter what we're spending, all of us want a return. None of us, none of us like getting ripped off. None, none of us like getting less for our money than, than, than the value. So if you give, a, if you give uh, Lisa was, uh, had her... Um, her, uh, uh, women, her, her, her Christmas coffee and dessert. Amazing success, over 100 women there. It was amazing, all this great, great thing. I, you know, don't clap, because I had to make my own dinner. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't make it. I, I roamed around Roseville until I found somewhere to eat. And I was like, I'm gonna eat where she never wants to eat. And then, but I was like, I already ate that this week. So then, I went to L&L Hawaiian Barbecue right there at Fair. <laughs> yeah, I got some fans here, okay. And uh, I just stood there. I was like, I don't know. I haven't been here in so long. I go, give me the, the, the barbecue plate or whatever it's called. And it was like 14 bucks. And I open it up and it's just a heaping amount of meat. I sat there with just this huge stupid grin on my face because I've spent $14 on other stuff that I was like, that's $14? Like a burrito or something. I was like, this is horrible that I spent $14 on this. And this was like, I could, I, mean, I could take meat home with me if I want. I was just like, how do they even break even on this? This is amazing. I just was so excited that I paid for something and I felt like I got the better deal. I wanted to go up to him and go, I'm ripping you off. Like, you should give me less meat or charge me more money. This is a great deal. We all want that over the disappointment of not getting what we paid for. And so you've felt at times like, well, that was a huge waste of time. Lisa and I go see a movie every Monday, and I mean, during the pandemic, I got to tell you, there were some real stinkers out there in the movie theater, but we were just so happy to be out and so happy to be watching a movie. There were some moments when I just went, that, I'll never get those two hours back. Like, that was horrible. That was pretty bad. But I'm going to tell you that more of your hope has been lost on where you've misspent it than it's ever been lost on putting it where you should and then getting let down. I'm going to say that again. I don't believe that any time you've ever put your hope in the right thing, did you ever get disappointed or let down. You and I, we get disappointed and let down. Our hope gets shattered and defeated and demoralized and discouraged. That happens because we spend it in all the wrong places. We spend our hope on an election, believing that our nation will turn and become a better version of itself if the right person gets into office. And I mean, I don't know how much of history we need to teach us that that's never going to happen, that the kingdoms of men will never bring righteousness. 
But we'll keep putting our hope there because this one will make a difference. We put our hope in the economy and then we feel absolutely crushed when it doesn't always traject up. When we don't always gain. When we don't have to work for equity in our home, it just magically appears. Over two years, we gain 50, 80% equity in our home. And then we feel completely shattered when we go on the roller coaster ride of, of the stock market, and one day it's woohoo, next day it's don't. Up and down and up and down, we get motion sick. We put our hope in promotions and titles and relationships in people. We hope they'll do better. We hope they won't disappoint us. We hope that they'll work harder on this relationship than we are, or that somebody will do something that we expect them to do. And we just keep putting our hope in things that consistently steal our hope. And then we go, I just, I got to be honest with you. I don't have any hope left to give. And that's understandable. In the same way, if you took out your dollars and you just kept spending them in all the wrong places and then got to what you really needed to spend your money on and you said, I don't have anything left. I don't want to sound like uh, you're getting scolded, but I mean, sometimes we're without what we need because we spend it on things we shouldn't. You don't have to watch financial news to know about the collapse of FTX, a cryptocurrency exchange that in one day lost $1 billion of investors' money. People like you and me. If you, um, if you look at how big a billion is, a billion seconds is like 30-something years. That's how big a billion is. That's a lot of money. I've never talked to any of the, I don't know, I hope you didn't lose any money, but if I were to talk to someone who invested with FTX and bought crypto in them, uh, through them, uh, I, would, I would gather, I would presume pretty safely, they wish they had put their money somewhere else because they have, they have nothing to show for it. Um, maybe even if they had just put it in a low-yield savings account, earning less than 1%, they'd still have it, right? And I feel like you and I have gone through life and we've had a lot of flashy things and flashy people tell us where to spend our hope. You can trust me. You can put your hope in me. We believe that it's going to change our lives, that it's going to help us. And then we find ourselves disappointed. Paul addressed this very thing with his church in the city of Philippi. In Philippians 1.6, it says this. He says, There's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish 
on the very day Christ Jesus appears. Here's what Paul said. God began a good work in you by saving you, by bringing you to a place of salvation. And he said, listen, that over the course of your life, God's going to continue to draw out in you the best in you. Don't give up on placing your hope in God because if God started it in you, if he was good enough to start this work in you, he's going to be good enough to finish this work in you. And here's what Paul was really, really doing. And this is what I want you to hear if you hear nothing else, is you can trust the one who's performed time after time after time after time. He said, God, who you've seen do good things in your life, and you've never seen him fail to do good things in your life, is going to continue to do good things in your life, so that's where you can place your hope. That's where you can place, is the one who has performed over and over and over and over again. Don't give up your hope on your future just because it's uncertain and you don't know what it looks like. All I need you to do is look at your past and ask you, has God ever failed to be good to you? And so we'll close with this, Romans 15, 13. Pastor Dan shared this with you in week one of the series. I pray that God, the source of hope, where hope actually comes from, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Leave that up there because that is circular in its power. Go to God because he's the creator of hope when you don't have hope. And your hope will be filled. You'll get joy and peace, the reward of hope, because you trusted in him. And because you trust in him, your hope will increase to the point of overflowing and spilling over. You're going to keep getting more because you keep trusting him more. You're going to keep getting filled with hope, peace, and joy because you keep putting your hope in him where joy, hope, peace come from. Isn't it a weird concept that if you go to the source of it, you're going to get what you go looking for? But if you go to places where hope does not exist, you will not get the return of hope. You're going to be defeated and demoralized. You're going to be discouraged if you keep putting your hope in places it doesn't belong. But when you put your hope in Jesus Christ, I'm promising you a payoff every single time. And I've got a little more to say about that that I'll talk about on Christmas Eve. About the Jesus we put our hope in versus the Jesus we hope for. Because sometimes Jesus isn't who we hoped for. We have an idea of who God is supposed to be and what he's supposed to do in our life. When we put our hope in that version of God, we are bound to be let down. But I'm promising you, if you go to the God of hope, the God of peace, the God of joy, in his presence, you think like him. You feel like him. You act like him. You experience like he experiences. This is the presence. This is the nature. This is the character of God. You can't help but to feel and experience it just the way he does. Because remember, you were created in his image. To think like him and act like him and talk like him. Hope is yours. 
not only is hope just around the corner, hope is right in front of you. Hope is right where you're at. The power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life makes hope available and accessible any time at all. A lot of sickness going around. I mean, a lot of sickness. We've seen it over the last month or two in church here. Just the, the, the attendance reflects how sick people have been getting. And when you're sick, isn't it weird you can't remember what it feels like to be not sick? All you know is headaches and stuffy nose and congestion and body aches and you just go, I don't, I can't even remember what it's like to feel none of this. And when you are feeling hopeless, it feels weird to even imagine what hope looks like. But wholeness and healing, healing your heart, healing your mind, and in filling you with hope is God's purpose and plan for you today. Do you bow your heads and close your eyes as we just give everyone an opportunity to say yes to a journey of hope? If that's you and you don't have a relationship with Christ at all, you're not in a relationship with him, can I tell you that that can begin right here, right now? You don't need to come up here and high-five me. You don't need to, to, to pay for a class. You don't need to do anything but just extend an invitation The Bible says that Christ stands at the door of our heart and knocks and that if we will open it, he will join us. He will come in and begin relationship with us. And if that's you, he's already there. He already wants friendship. If you'll just pull the door open and that's you, you'd say, I want to open the door to him today and begin a relationship with him today. It's between you and me. No one else is looking around. Would you just shoot a hand up? No other shoe's going to drop. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird or expose you or embarrass you in any way. But if that's you, would you just slide a hand up and you can put it back down? Thank you. My second question is if this, if you would say, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm, I think I might be running low or might even be depleted of hope. And, and it's exhausting, it's discouraging, it's defeating, and I want to begin a new journey of experiencing hope on that level where it's overflowing from my life and I can spend it without discretion. I can just put my hope back in the creator, back in the giver, back in the source of hope, find that reward in him. And I'm having a difficult time doing it right now, but I want to begin that journey today. If that's you, would you just throw a hand up? Yeah, lots. Lord, I come to you on behalf of everyone who raised their hand or maybe didn't. Maybe they don't even have the energy or the the hope to put enough effort in. They just go, I'm tired. I don't even, I can't even do this. I just, I'm done. I'm worn out. We come to you and we ask that you would join your spirit with ours. We don't have a relationship with you that We begin by just saying, wash over us with your forgiveness, with your mercy, with your kindness, and with your grace. Remember not our sins against us. Cast them as far as the east is from the west and make us new. And in that, being new creations, we should experience hope without limit, without boundaries, without 
Without a lid, we should be able to just have endless supply of hope, but God help us in the wisdom of how we spend our hope. We spend it in all the wrong places, on all the wrong people, on all the wrong things, and then we have nothing left. So we pray that we would come to you today, starting right now in this moment, and just say, I hope hope is coming for me, God. I hope that you'll reward me and refill me with hope even though I've squandered it and spent it in all the wrong places. Fill me back up so that I have enough hope to put my hope back in you. And I know you're a God who will answer those prayers because you've created us for our highest and best. John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life to its absolute most wonderful, highest and best. Come to give you the greatest life possible. And that's what we hope for. That's what we visualize according to your word. We see the life you've planned for us. We claim it and receive it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.